Hey everyone, welcome to C3 Corumbans Podcast. We want you to know that you are loved by God who is love. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy this message from our preaching series, In Christ. All right, we're going to go through, continue going through Colossians right now. We have been preaching through it most of this year and we hope you're enjoying it. Hope you're getting something out of it. And the theme of Colossians, as it says there, is in Christ. In Christ. In Christ. What we want to see in this little book of four chapters, some 44 times it speaks about us being in Jesus, in Christ. And the position of the believer, once you put your faith in Jesus, is that you are in Him. And the the paradox, the, the crazy truth there at the same time is Christ is now in you. We looked at in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, Christ lives in you, the hope of glory. Amen? And, and what, before we even look at today, we're going to go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, if you're taking notes or you have a Bible. What I really want to stress before we get into it, once again, just to keep bringing us to our true north, church, our goal as a church is not just to get to know the Bible. Our goal as a church is to get to know the author of the Bible. I love Martin Luther's statement. It's such a beautiful statement. He says, the, um, sorry, the Word of God is the, the cradle in which Christ was laid. Remember when Jesus was born, right? In that, that, the manger there, He was laid in the cradle. That's the Word of God. So I don't want to just remember the words and references. That's not the win of a Christian. But the win is I go to here to see Jesus, right? And there's a very, you know, that old statement, I, I, I say it a lot, but I love it. It helps me a lot. Jesus is God and He is the Word of God. The Bible is the Word of God, but it is not God. The Pharisees knew the Scriptures well. Satan knows the Scriptures well. Our role is not just to remember some Scriptures, it's to get to know Jesus more. Amen? And that's when we're preaching through Colossians, I don't, the win for me isn't just like, ah, oh, now I can explain to you Colossians, you know, chapter 3, 1 to 11. Like, that's not the win. The win is you walking out of here more in love with Jesus and more willing and eager and have a desire in your heart to pray and talk to Him and walk in Him, okay? And so let's look at Colossians chapter 3, picking up in verse 1. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. It says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all His glory. I'm going to spend a lot of time on that today, but catch this other part. Verse 5. Glass are falling off. Verse 5. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you have nothing to do with sexual immorality impurity lust evil desires don't be greedy for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world because of these sins the anger of god is coming that's a crazy verse eh? verse seven you used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Now put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator 
and become like him. I'm going to read that again. As you learn to, beca- to learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you were Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters. Amen? And he lives in all of us. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. God, we thank you today as we look at your word that you would bring fresh revelation to all of us. Once again, that we don't just call ourselves Christians because we go to church on a Sunday morning. That Jesus, you have made us alive. Spiritually, we were dead. You made us alive. This passage says we're now a new life, our new creation, our new selves. Help us to live in that new reality, God. Help us every day to put on Christ and continue to put off that old sinful nature. Lord, we thank you so much that you give us a revelation and give us the, the power and confidence and ability to continue putting off that old self and putting on our new self, which is you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. There we go. 11. I got 15 minutes. I might go a little bit longer. Okay. There's some significant things happening here. And it's a, a, a bit I want to focus on. And the New King James, if you're reading that, which is what I grew up reading, so it stands out a bit more often. But very clearly, Paul's like, put off, put off, put off, put off, and then put on, put on, put on, put on. Once again, we looked at uh, the week before Easter. We looked at it in much more depth. I'm not going to go into it as long today because it's been like 40 minutes on it. So if you missed it, it'll be on our Facebook or YouTube. Uh, you can rewatch that sermon. But... The, the, the revelation to get in Colossians 2, verse, I think it was 14, where it says he, he performed a spiritual circumcision and cut away the sinful nature. Now, some people think that it's completely gone, right? The moment I'm saved, that, that's gone. I never have any more urges or desires. That's so not true. What it's talking about is the authority, the dominion, the power of the sinful nature. The moment you get in Jesus, that's gone. But please be aware, Christian, if you're not already aware. Most of us are absolutely, (laughs) definitely aware. I'm so aware that I have these urges. We still have urges to give in to sin. Now, let's not paint it in the wrong picture. Just sometimes we culturally call some things sin and other things not. So we're like, Dan, I'm doing pretty good. Not getting drunk. Didn't get drunk last night, Dan. Didn't sleep around. Didn't do any drugs and surface paradise. I'm a pretty good Christian. Keep expanding. What about anger? What about lust? What about greed? What about jealousy? What about covetousness? How are you going with these things? How are you going with honoring your parents? How are you going with these things? How are you going with dirty language? It says there, Pastor Graham, we're going to pray for... No, just kidding. <laughs> he's fantastic. He's anointed. He's, a, he's like a monk. He's so holy. I've never heard any dirty language. Like, like laundry and dishes. That's what it's talking about, right? Come on now. Sometimes, and that's where pride can creep in, like, no, morally, because of what culturally we call big sins, and I'm not doing that, morally I feel pretty good. And here's the damage in that. We give up waging war on sin. So Paul is writing this book to, to Christians, and they're Christians doing pretty good. And he's like, don't give in to those urges still inside you. See that? Those urges are still there. Keep putting them off. It's a daily thing. I, I need you to catch this church. This is a daily thing. Every single day, die to yourself. Even just uh, confessing and renouncing it. Lord, I put off that old nature. I'm not giving into that today. 
I'm being guided by the Holy Spirit today. I'm going to be led by the Holy Spirit. I'm putting on my new nature in Christ again today. Galatians chapter 3, if you're taking notes, verse 27. Galatians 3, 27. I really like it. In the NLT, it words it beautifully. It says, For everyone who is in Christ has been baptized and has been baptized in Christ has put on Christ like putting on new clothes. How beautiful is that? Here's what I want you to catch. That is a daily thing, church. Yes, it happens in a moment of salvation. Once again, the power of sin is gone in a moment of salvation. It's authority over you. And the authority of Christ at the moment of salvation is imputed to you. The righteousness of Christ is imputed to you. Absolutely. But every day, Christian, we need to be waging war on sin. Once again, we spoke on this two weeks ago. John Owen, one of the greatest theologians of the last 500 years, he has this book called Mortification of Sin. He says this powerful statement. Be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. Be killing sin, these urges that are still there. But the thing I want to focus on today is something, one word that jumped out there to me, and I just want to zoom in on a little bit. I think it was in verse 5. It says, which is idolatry. How many of us actually view sin, that not just moments of sin, but habitual sin, as idols that can be in our lives. Sometimes there can be idols there. And once again, I'm not talking about someone who's just going so well, so well, so well, and then has a moment of lust. I don't think you have an idol of lust. Then. I'm not talking about someone who's going so well, so well, so well, and then one day a really tough week and the kids are crazy and there's just tension in your life and you have a moment of frustration. Well, I don't think that's an idol of anger. I'm talking about deep-seated, deeply-rooted, habitual sins where you're prone you struggle every day with lust or you struggle every day with anger or you struggle every day with gossip or you struggle every day with greed see i I think we all have them if i'm honest because this is what paul's saying here hey keep putting off those idols that try and creep into your heart and put on christ there's a great book great book if you've heard me preach before you know i just love tim keller but he has a great book called counterfeit gods counterfeit gods it's a great book really good read but in at the end he gives these um, ways of identifying idols that might be in our life and he says this powerful statement this if you forget everything today this is one of the things i want you to remember he says this powerful statement you and i can never simply remove an idol we can only ever replace an idol there is so much power in that statement you have, you and I, in my opinion, don't have the power to simply go, oh, idol of lust, be gone, idol of greed, be gone, idol of self-praise, be gone, idol of praise from people, be gone, idol of jealousy, be gone. All we can do is squash it out by pushing in a, a better, bigger, more supreme love that we crave into our heart. Do you get that? If I'm sitting here and, and you're trying to come up with a example that will actually work right now anyway you're sitting there looking at this looking at this looking at this you can't take your eyes off it and if anyone has like a toddler you know what i'm talking about don't touch the powerpoint this one this one you mean this one this, uh. and it's like 
The moment you say, don't do it, it's all they want to do. Read Genesis 3. It's human nature. The moment you say you can't do something, and so if I'm saying don't do this, it's all you can think about. The only way that you and I can take our eyes off that is for something more beautiful and wonderful to become in our eyesight. Now, this dims away in comparison. It, it, it's still as powerful. It's still as beautiful. It still has, uh, has the ability to get rooted and grounded in my heart. It hasn't lost anything. It just pales. It, it's nothing compared to this new beauty and wonder, right? So what does Paul do so wonderfully and effectively here? He says, don't give in to that. Look to Jesus. Set your sight on new realities, heaven realities, where he is seated at the right hand of God. When you are staring at Jesus, these other idols... Like, I want to be praised from people. That's a real idol, but that dies. Like, I get him? He calls me beloved. What? This idol of, I want a promotion so I can get X amount of money. I have the kingdom riches, and I've received every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Ephesians chapter three, 1, verse 3. What? Do you see what I'm saying? You and I shouldn't be focusing on, I've got to stop doing this. 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 It's the wrong way of doing it. I've got to look at him more. I've got to look at him more. I've got to look at him more. I want to see him bigger and clearer. I want to read the Bible because I want to know him more. He's, every year I want us to grow in. He's, he loves me more than I thought. He, he's more powerful than I thought. He freed me from more than I thought. He's holier than I thought. He's omnipotent. He's, he's amazing right now. The immutability of God. There's no one like him. Wow. See, these other things don't lose their power, but compared to how big he's getting, they don't have a place in our heart. That is the goal right now. When we look at idols in our house, Paul, Paul's saying, put off those idols. He's not saying stare at them until they leave you. They won't leave you. He's saying stop looking at them and look to Jesus. Now, I know this is jumping out of Colossians for a second and back to this book, Counterfeit Gods. But just really, really quickly, time's sake, I'm going to really quickly. There's four things Tim Keller identifies, and they're not the only four things, but four ways that might help you identify a potential idol in your heart four ways number one is your thoughts not what do you think about but when nothing else is consuming your thoughts where does your thought pattern habitually regularly go to experience more joy do you ever find yourself like regularly going man if I was just with that other person if I wasn't married to this one if I was married to that person oh my goodness life would be incredible hey sometimes they happen now sometimes they happen in a moment but I'm talking about habitual Oh, man, if I just had a different house, I hate this house. I live in this house. There's a leak there. That wall's cracking. Ceiling's falling down there. If our house was better, I'd be so much happier. Oh, okay. Man, if I had a pay rise, if my boss would simply finally see how awesome I am, I'm so good. He just doesn't know it yet. But if he would give me the pay rise I deserve, I'd be so happy if I was earning X amount. Have you ever realized that then you get X amount? Oh, now I just want this much money. So you'll forever chase that carrot. The, where do your thoughts constantly go? I would be happy if this was the situation, if this was my reality. Maybe that is an idol that you're putting before God. Second thing, sorry to rush you for time's sake. Second thing is money. What are you constantly spending money on? Now, once again, there's things like holidays. They're good. Uh, clothes, you need them. <laughs> Please continue to buy clothes. We need you to come here. Uh, food, you need it. You know what I mean? Like pay off your mortgage or rent. Like awesome, do that. Pay off your bills, fantastic. But what we're talking about, once again, it's not a thing. It, it's something constant that you put before God. 
Like, I can't give in this offering to Compang and, and to give to those people in Timor. I've got to buy the, you know, the new iPhones coming out in September. I have to have the brand new iPhone. Oh, my goodness, I've got new ear, earbuds, whatever they're called, but there's new ones coming out. Like, I've got to have it. My Mac is like eight months old. It's so slow. I, I need the newest one. Oh, I can't believe that the Yeezy guy, um, Kanye, just dropped new shoes. And, like, I have to have these shoes, right? Like, oh, I've got to have them. Oh, my goodness. Like, as soon as COVID opens up, like, I've got this checklist of where in the world I'm going to go to now. I can't give to the people in Timor because I've got to be saving up thousands to go overseas. And you see what I mean? Those things aren't evil. Food, clothes, travel, those things aren't evil. But do they place number one position in your heart? This is where my money goes. And nothing is trumping it. Jesus could talk to me directly. Nothing is beating it. Maybe that's an idol. Third thing, unanswered prayer. This was a big thing, it got me. But anyway, I'm just going through these. Write them down, they might help you, they might not. But unanswered prayer. Has there been something in your life, you're like, God, I want this, God, I want this, God, I want this, and you prayed, and you fasted, and you sought God, and you're like, God, I want this, and it didn't happen yet, and now you feel like God owes you. Right? God, you owe me. That person should have been healed. I should have got to marry that person. I should have got that job when that other person got promoted. I should have got that. You, are you serious? You didn't answer my prayer and we hold something against God. How dare you? How could you? Tim Kelly explains it more in his book, but he's like, that could be an idol. Because now suddenly, I wanted this. If you were a good God, you would have done this for me. All that's saying is this is more important to me than living for you. I know you don't. Anyway. You with me? It's not nice, but you know, idols. I'm not talking about good things right now. Well, we cut the heart. All right, last thing. Uncontrollable emotions. So this, where does your thought go without when habitually? Where's your money go habitually? Unanswered prayer. What are you holding against God? Force things. Uncontrollable emotions. Now, once again, I'm not talking about moments of frustration. I'm talking about are you always angry? I'm not talking about moments of a lustful thought. I'm talking about, are you always craving to look at things you shouldn't? I'm not talking about moments of spending money on yourself or going to a nice restaurant. I'm talking about, like, are you constantly like, I need to do that. I need that. I'm not talking about moments of jealousy. I'm talking about, I am never happy with what I have. I'm always craving what that person has, their lifestyle. These uncontrollable emotions might highlight to us idols in our heart. Now, once again... Paul right here, he's writing and he's like, these things are idols. Put them off, put them off, put them off. The reason I want to bring those four points up, and until you identify potential idols in your heart, you won't effectively wage war on it, right? You won't effectively bring it to prayer. You won't effectively bring it to God. And like, God, and now I get it. That, that's an idol in my heart. Can you help me with that? Once again, you don't have the power to simply remove that. What we do is we replace that. We replace that. Lord, this prayer wasn't answered. I really wanted that. I was invested in that. But now I trust that you're a good God. I trust that you love me. I trust that you know what's best. I'm, I'm pushing that out by bringing a bigger and better picture of God into my heart. Right? God, I really wanted that to buy that. I really wanted to invest my money there. But what I've discovered, Lord, is you are even more satisfying. You're even more amazing. And we push it out. And I think Paul gives us some ways right now. How do we put on Christ? How do we push those idols out of our heart effectively? Four ways. You with me? Yep, give me five minutes. Four ways. 
that we put on Christ. And before I even start, I really want to say this too. Please, let's now, just to keep thinking this way, we are not trying to put on better morals. The win for us as a church is not that we would be morally upright people. Cool? It's not like, oh, I've got to stop looking at that website so I could be morally better. Oh, I've got to stop lying on that tax return so I could be morally better. Oh, I've got to stop, you know, being angry all the time so I could be morally better. The goal isn't to be morally awesome. <laughs> the goal is to know God and become like Him. Did you read that in verse 10? When we know Jesus and push into Jesus, we start to take on His nature. We start to take on His heart. So that's the goal. The reason we want to put on Christ is not so we can be morally better people. We want more of Christ in our hearts. Four things. Number one, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the reality of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Number one, look to Jesus. Look to him. How do I get rid of this idol? Stop looking at it. Look at Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off every sin that easily entangles us, stops us running. We do this by looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame, and is now seated at the right hand of God. We let go of sin. Sin dies and it loses its grip that weighs us down when we just look to Jesus. And I know it's an oversimplification like Dan, I've tried. But that's what I'm saying every day. You want to be a healthier person? That one salad's not going to do it. I don't care if you've got kale and quinoa. Like that one salad is not going to work, right? Every day it's about decisions that are helping you. Every day it's about have you got enough water? Have you got getting rid of all that processed crap and sugar? Every, you want to get healthy? It's about daily decisions. You want to get spiritually healthy? It's about daily decisions. And it starts with this look to Jesus. One of the main reasons I personally, this is just to be honest, I had to quit Instagram about two years ago because I found myself scrolling, just consume, just a, it, it's addictive in my opinion, just scrolling, scrolling. I'm like, what am I looking at? And now I'm not looking at him because I'm looking at this all the time. I had to get off. I just deleted it. I, I don't want that in my world. I, I'm trying to create better rhythms where I can create time for Jesus. I can stop and I can talk to him and I can look at him and I can thank him and I can praise him. It starts with looking at Jesus. So can I encourage you, before I fall off the stage, can I encourage you this week, just practically, what about like little reminders in your phone? Just stop. Think about Jesus. Look to him. Look to him. It's about daily, right? Like what does Monday look like with work or study or family life? Stopping at home like, I just want to look at Jesus more. I want to do that. Number two, set your mind on heaven, new realities. Second thing is think about Jesus. So simple. Dan, it's an oversimplification. This isn't going to work. Yeah, it will. It will. I can guarantee you now, if, and I'm not doing this because I don't let myself, if I start thinking of another woman, affections will start to grow. When I think about my wife, affections for her start to grow, right? When I think about Jesus, my affections and longing for him starts to grow. When I do that, instead of thinking about these other pleasures, they start to die off and lose their grip. Think about Jesus. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Romans 12, do, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind. NLT says, so you can so you can learn what is the good, pleasing, pleasurable will of God. How many people come up and or how many people have these thoughts? What's God's will for my life? <laughs> Keep thinking about Jesus. Let your mind be transformed. You'll learn the will of God. You might not know the will of God because we're scrolling in time. <laughs> Think about Jesus. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and you will learn what is the good, pleasurable, pleasing will of God. What's God's will for my life? What's God's will for my life? What's God's will? Don't ask me. I'm not flipping Pope. I don't know. Like, don't come to me. You go to Him. He died on the cross to purchase your freedom for a relationship with you. You go straight to Him, but think about Him and talk to Him. Ask Him, right? Third thing, so think, look to Jesus. Think about Jesus. Third thing is to know Jesus. It says you've died now in this life. Christian, you've died. If you actually are truly calling yourself a Christian, not because you go to church, you believe biblically you've been born again, regenerated, made alive. There's a new creature right now, new creation. If, if that's you, you've died to this world. And the pleasures in it don't please you anymore. Now, verse 3 or 4, I think it's, and your true life is hidden in Christ. You need to know Jesus more to discover more about yourself and the new nature you have. So when the world and people are screaming at you, maybe a parent growing up was constantly belittling you, maybe an older sibling, no, just kidding, was constantly belittling you, maybe a work colleague is constantly insulting you, it's tearing you down, it's creating an awful self-image in there, you need to continue to push into the Word of God because your real you is hidden in Christ. What does Christ call you? Forgiven. What does Christ call you? Beloved. What what does God call you? Son, daughter. You don't need to listen to the other garbage in this world. You've died to this world. They can say whatever they want about you. You're in Christ. The real you is hidden in Christ. So you need to actively push into Christ to discover your new nature. Who Who does He say I am? I'm a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. All of this is from God through Christ reconciled us to himself. Amen? I want to push in. I want, I want to know him more. Not even, well, just for the sake. Please don't read the Bible in an egocentric way. So sometimes we read the Bible like, tell me how amazing I am. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I hear preaching like this at conferences. It just grinds me, oh, grinds me so hard. When you read the Old Testament, you're not the hero. I say this with all the love in my heart, trust me, because it gets preached at a lot of conferences I go to, and so wrong. They preach it like you're the hero. You ever hear David and Goliath? You're David. And there's a Goliath in your life that you need to tear down. <laughs> I've heard that preached so many. Let me tell you with love in my heart, when you learn about types of Christ in the Old Testament, you're not David. You and I are the scared Israelites on the hill. No, we are. Biblically, we are. There was a giant that we couldn't defeat. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2 calls it the law of sin and death. And we couldn't overcome it. And so Christ comes in. And what, how did David come in? And Christ, uh, David came in as a servant. He didn't come in as a soldier. He came to bring his brother's food. He was a servant. He was a shepherd. He came as a shepherd. He came, he couldn't wear the armor of the local army. He didn't wear Saul's armor. And he didn't fight in his own name. He says, oh, you come at me in your name? I come to you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. How did Jesus come to this earth? 
Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. He didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came as a servant. John chapter 10, I'm the good shepherd. He came as a shepherd. And he didn't put on, didn't put on the armor of the world. They tried to make him king and he refused. And what does he do? He defeats the giant you and I could not defeat. So I say it with love. You're not David. I'm not David. We're the scared Israelites on the hill. But when we see Jesus has won the battle, we get confidence to go and win the war. That's what happens. So let's not read this in an egotistical way. Like the real you is hidden in Christ. And we're like, Christ, where are you? Holding up his hands, turning him around. Like, where's the real me? I'm only coming to you to get to know me. It's all about me. That's why he said, you've died. Don't even think about you anymore. The real you is hidden in Christ. Just go to Christ because you love Jesus. And when you think about him and when you, you, you look to him and you go to him, not in a, what can I get out of this? How can you make me more amazing? But you go to him going, I have died to myself and I experience more joy than I ever have making myself king of my own life. Died to myself. Then you'll discover the real you. Amen? And I'll finish with this. He says, now look forward to Jesus. One day he'll come back with glory. One day Jesus is coming back. He's going to reveal to us a beautiful truth. It's incredible. Um, we need to see that right now, yes, we're new creations. Yes, we are in Christ. Yes, we are sons and daughters of the Most High God now. But there is a greater level of that revelation happening on the day when Christ returns. Amen? So how do you get rid of the idols in your heart? Look forward to Jesus coming back. When that brings you joy, the temporary pleasures in this world will not bring you as much joy. Right? When you look forward to one day... Paul says, now I see through a mirror dimly. Then I'm going to see him face to face. When you get that, oh my goodness, the best things this world has to offer me are nothing compared to Jesus. Woo, he's coming back. It gets better. I'm not afraid. All these guys talk about, what if that creates a one world government and this and this. I'm like, I don't care. Good, bring him on. It says he's going to wipe away every tear. It says we're free from all temptation of sin. We're free from death. Death has lost its sting now, but then it will effectively, we'll be with him forever. And we're with Jesus in heaven with him. One day he's coming back for you, Christian. And that is such beautiful news. And when we look to him and when we think about him and when we know him and when we look forward to him, the idols in our heart. So I beg you, don't attack this moralistically. Don't go, I need to stop doing this. I need to start doing this. I need to stop doing this. I need to start doing this. It's called moralism. It's not going to help anyone. Let's attack this in a Christian way. Jesus, you're so good and I want more of you and more of you and more of you and more of you. And watch the idols in your heart die. Amen.